We're back with another episode of Think Deeper about growth. And today in the studio, I have with me Paul Cheatham, who is managing partner and founder of the Sedulo Group, which is a holistic accounting firm and a business advisor group. Um, I've known Paul 25 mm, years. It's a long so time, I'm really yeah. happy. It took me that long to get him on this podcast. So I welcome you, Paul. Uh, meet my producer. This is the way our podcast works because I know you're an author and you have your own podcast. Yeah. Um, but we do things slightly differently here. Good. So Difference. I don't know Good. you're open to that, aren't you? So if you will take it away with the first piece Shall I just of pick paper. one of these? Yeah, just pick a paper up and read out what it says. Success. Success. So when I look at you and 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 I, I, I say I could speak for most people because you're mm. in the public eye quite a lot with your Taking Care of Business book and the um, podcast as well. But I see a very successful entrepreneur. I've known you from when you first Start, started yeah. out. And there was always this fire in your belly, this ambition, this this hunger, I think is the only way I can describe it. Yeah. Um, I now see your evolution, which is just beautiful. And I'm so proud as a friend to be able to say that, you know, you've got amazing properties abroad. You've got a nearly 200 strong employment yeah. firm. You've got four sites across the country. To me, that is success. Mm. Is it to you? Is that how you would define success? No, it wouldn't be. Um, I don't. I, it's you know when you get things right. When you get things, I think when you start out to do something, you start out because you want things right. I was brought up on a council estate, right? So I, we didn't have much when I was a kid. And when I, when I started doing what I was doing, and you're right, I've, I'm as driven as any. I don't know. There's not many people I meet who are as driven as me. Mm. And it does come from, you know, I, I have for a lot of clients deeper. So I think acting for a lot of clients allows me to assess what their levels of success looks like as well as my own. And I don't think anybody, I think everybody starts out measuring success from a tangible perspective. They want more money. They want nicer things. They want to get better stuff, better things in life. But when you get them, and you'll know this. And it could be anybody listening. Somebody wants to earn 20 grand a year. But if you earn 20 grand a year, you earn 25 grand a year, you earn 25 grand a year. If you own a business, I remember thinking, so my, when I, I used to think, God, if I get to like 50 grand a month of revenue, I've made it. That's success. I remember getting to 50 grand a month and didn't even bat an eyelid. I'm like, I need to get to 100 grand a month. Oh, I need to get a million quid. Then a million quid. Then it was, I actually think I'd be successful if I get two million quid. Then two million quid became five. Then five became 10. And at no point along that road did having hit all the milestones that I think you're successful. And I still don't see myself successful today. Would you say it's a driver then as opposed to an actual I think you make things up. I think you make things up, don't you, to, 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 to take you to the next step. Um, so I don't think I'm successful. I would say I'm semi-successful. That's how I would probably describe it. And how I, would, I don't know how I would define success anymore. I'm just going to ask you that question. So what does success look like then if I said to you paint me a picture of that because you have a beautiful family you have you know you're you're great in terms of your training regime you're healthy mm. you are surrounded by some incredible people like what else could possibly enhance that picture I don't know because I think I would like to think that contentment is success in the end but I'm scared of being content um so what's the reason for that because I don't know. I don't know. I think the thing about me is, like, I had rejection when I was a kid. I've got to know this over a period of time, like, I'm 45 now. So in the, I've been quite, I've always been quite an open self-developer. 
And uh, I was rejected when I was a kid from a biological dad. And uh, that's probably set the scene for the rest of my life in that I want to be accepted. And so my form of acceptance comes with what other people deem is success. Not necessarily what I see. It might be what you see. I can't, you know, I was going to say cars and that rubbish come up about cars. But you, you get what I mean? The lifestyle. Yeah, the, the, li the lifestyle. Yeah. Um, but in reality, to me, probably success is being uh, accepted. And so um, I'm constant. That, that's my driver. Right. But I only learned that of, of late. You know, I only learned that probably in the last few years. Actually, when I wrote my book, um, I, I sometimes look back. I mean, why did you write that? But was it ego? Was it? What was it? You know, I had the reasons why I wrote it or that I said, but what was the real reason? But I think more than anything, what I enjoyed about the book was the ability to reflect. And it answered some questions yeah. that I had about myself, why I was doing stuff. And that's in the end what took me back to being rejected as a kid, really. Yeah. And, um, and, and, and I guess my desire to be accepted means I have to have this identity, but it comes with a big pressure. Do you think that if you then... If you met your dad now and you had that conversation with him, do you think he would understand how important that acceptance was? And then if he did accept you now for what you've become, would that help? No. Or is it not important? No, I'm not, I'm not spoken to, uh, to this too much about anybody, uh, to anybody before, but he actually reached out. So I have a stepdad, right? And he's my dad. Yeah. He, let, let's be clear here, from the age of four or five, my dad brought me up. Um, but but the two years previous to that was constant rejection, um, and he but but he reached out on Facebook about two years ago, and it come up. He's got the same name as me. It actually came up um, a friend request. So I got the friend request, my own name, and thought, Strange. oh, somebody's hacked me. Yeah. <laughs> I thought I'd been hacked. Naturally. And then Zeri, my wife, goes, I've had a friend request from you and I'm like it's not for me and we sat on the sofa and then she went who's this guy and I was like no way but I didn't accept it so I didn't accept the friend request um this done it is what it is I don't hold any grudges um but I wouldn't want to revisit that now it is what it is it's done you didn't accept no I just didn't someone that didn't it. accept you yeah you just did it the yeah. modern way typical me to be honest with you <laughs> <laughs> typical me that but no so I didn't um I just didn't uh I didn't take it any further I don't I'm not interested well, so I don't need that, that I don't need that acceptance that. anymore no, do you, you know don't. what I mean yeah take another another piece of paper please oh parenting so you have four unbelievable mm. children what would you say uh, being a dad has taught you in life in business we could talk three hours about this. Because um, it plays a really big part in your life. When I wrote my eulogy, right, everybody should do that, by the way. When I wrote it, it started with that I want to be a good dad and a good husband. It's important to me. That was the main thing. And then, it, you know, that was the first thing I wrote. Uh, constantly, because of my upbringing, <clears throat> it's, the, it's the most important thing to me. However, I'm busy. And so there's times where my business takes precedent over my kids, truth of the matter. Uh, and, and, and I have really bad guilt about that. And it's not unusual because obviously I work with a lot of uh, successful people and they're in the same boat. 
is that there's a constant sort of parenting guilt because you're so obsessed with your own high performance or success or career or whatever it will be. It's driven by what you're doing for them really, isn't it? Well, it is. Or, or is that making you feel better? <laughs> is that what you say to yourself to yeah. make yourself feel better? Yeah. I, um, I know a, a boxer, Tony Bellew, and I was speaking to him not long ago, and he, he talked about in his career, he had 20 years where he put the boxing before he put his kids. Mm. You know, if it was Christmas and he had a fight, he had a fight. If it was their birthday and he was in training camp, he was in training camp. So I always think, I always look at sports people when it comes to it and think, you know, if you were, if you were go to the World Cup, you're in Davy Beckham, you're not a bad... He's not a bad dad because he goes to the World Cup for six weeks and doesn't see his kids. But I do think in terms of um, successful people or busy people, or you know, entrepreneurs, if you like, I would say their biggest issue in life is are they doing enough for the kids? Because it, I think business takes precedent. And just in terms of qualities, what do you think that as a dad you have learnt through your time as a dad, as a dad, what have you mm. learned that you would apply now into business that you didn't know about yourself, maybe, or that you didn't know you needed? I'm not, to be honest with you, I'm not quite sure. What quite they accomplished anyway? They're an an, they're, they're, my kids are an anchor to me, right? So they bring me back down to earth, which is good. Um, one of the things I do do is my oldest is 16. And I do every, I'd say, I'd say once a year, I go out with him. And I ask him to describe me in three words. Nice. I ask, I want the feedback. And um, what you expect. Sometimes, uh, I'll tell you what I ask him. I ask him to describe me in three words. And he, he, he laughs now because he goes, oh, no, you're not going to ask this, Ethan. You're not going to ask this again. But I'll say to him, I want you to describe me in three words. And I want you to tell me one thing you want me to keep doing. One thing you want me to stop doing. One thing you want me to do more of. And I ask him that. I'm quite, I've said that to a few people in the past. I've no way do you ask your 16 year old those questions, but I want the feedback. He said, one of the things he said last time was loving. And to me, that was like, because I'm harsh. <laughs> well, you are, you've always been that friend in my life that is, asks the uncomfortable questions. Yeah. Like you always want to know the why. If I say I'm going to do this, why? Okay, well, what's that going to get you? Or, you know, so... I, can, I, I do get I, it. I can be brutally blunt. And uh, my missus says it all the time. She's like, you can't say things like that. But I just do. Um, and I'm like that with the kids. And it scares me sometimes how blunt I can be with Ethan, for example, or even, even the younger ones. Um, so that's why I do think it is important every now and then that I check in to make sure I'm being the best version of me as a dad. In life, I want to be the best version of myself. And that doesn't matter. I think everybody should try and do that. And that's whether you're a friend, a dad, or, you know, whatever hat you're wearing. Yeah. Yeah, whatever hat you're wearing. Um, so I do I do search for that constant feedback just to make sure I'm not going off piste mm -hmm. because I can be brutal with and my I suppose kids. that goes a little bit back to you not being accepted. Quite quite possibly. Mm -hmm. I don't know where I get it from. The, but, I mean, I have a lot of clients who, are, you know, famous clients who work with me for that brutal honesty, because I'm probably, the, in some cases, I'm the only person who will tell them as it is. I can believe that. <laughs> Pick another paper. <laughs> Oof, anxiety. Let's go. So you have actually talked about mm. the fact that you suffer from anxiety. The question I'd like to ask you is, when you do suffer from anxiety or you feel like you're anxious, 
Is that you being exposed to your vulnerability or do you think it's triggering self-growth? Mm, very good question. <sighs> you know what? The thing about life is you, 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 you can't have the yin without the yang. You can't have the positive without the negative. And I have a leadership club which I do with a guy called Kevin Sinfield, who was a former rugby league player. And it's all based on the fact that most of my clients have got issues. They're successful, but they've got issues. They're successful because they've got issues, yeah. right? And I don't know where my anxieties come from. I really don't know, but I mean, I have it every day. I suffer with anxiety every day. I score it every morning. I make lifestyle choices every day based on what the score is. And and I do natural uh, remedies depending on. So expand how I feel. on that. Are we talking about nutrition, mm. exercise? Yeah. You'll so choose how you so feel. I, yeah, hundred percent. So I, I wake up in the morning and I'll go my three out of ten. If I'm a three out of ten, I think okay, I can just carry on with my day. But I train every day. Um, I make sure I drink my water every day. I don't drink caffeine after eleven a.m. I'll have two coffees in the morning. And I don't drink. Uh, I fast every day. So I don't eat, I don't break my fast until probably 12, 1 o'clock. Barely eat sugar um, and uh, training shit. And then if if I feel like, um, and I watch my alcohol intake, I do like a drink, but I, I watch that depending on what my anxiety levels are. And then if I do feel extra, if I do feel anxious, I'll meditate. So they're the things that I do every, every single day, depending on what my score is in the morning. So knowing you well, what's a good... Mark, three out of ten is where you. you yeah, I'm comfortable afraid. with that. Three out of ten is you comfortable with that? I, I tell you the problem we've got. Yeah, I'm. I love being a three out of ten. What's I an could, ideal? I'm happy with a three out of ten because the thing is, is you need fear and you need anxiety. You know, I tell you something about fear and anxiety now nowadays is, is everybody's scared of being anxious, and yet actually it's the it's the. It's the driver in many cases. You know, how, why do we get out of bed at the moment? I'm scared of losing what I've got. Yeah. Every day, scared of losing what I've got. And I think people, when, when they deem people as being successful, I think they think once you've gone to the stage of successful, you're always successful. I don't know why people think that. <laughs> in reality, you're just scared to death. I remember when I set my business up and I had nothing. And I wasn't, I, I wasn't anxious at all. I wasn't scared. I wasn't bothered because... You know, if it's fight or flight, you just fight or flight. When you actually start to consider or when you have children or when you start to have things, then you're, you're feared of losing them. Mine came, I'm 45 and I'm 45 this year. I was When I was 28, I just started having panic attacks, constant. And people don't, for some reason, people might look at me and they, they, they wouldn't associate somebody like me to have, to have that vulnerability which is why I talk about it quite a bit. Mm. Uh, but, um, but let me tell you, the problem with anxiety is when you get to a seven, you go above a seven, you're out of control. And there's nothing more fear, there's nothing more fearsome, there's nothing more terrifying than being out of control in a panic attack. When I was 28, I used to have a panic attack every week. I had them every week for about a year. Uh, I, and the only way I would come out of the panic attack was when I was in A&E. And they do me an ECG. I was there every week getting an ECG. And as soon as they told me everything was okay, boom. And, and the only thing I can describe it as, the first time it happened, I'm guessing it, it felt like there's a battery and the battery has been pulled. The plug, it's like, it's like a hoover. When, you, when the plug comes out and it just goes, 
that's what a panic attack felt like. I just, I fell to the floor. I'm clutching my chest. I feel like I'm dying. Genuinely the first time I thought, Jesus, man, the heart attack here. 28, I'm in the middle of a precinct in, in uh, Poynton over in Stockport, and I'm rolling about on the floor. That's so embarrassing. I remember thinking, okay, now I'm going to die here on the floor in the middle of a precinct at 28, and this is so embarrassing. <laughs> That's what I remember thinking. But I was terrified. Yeah. But you don't have them anymore. So the, the, the evolution of that is, is pretty beautiful. You've learned a technique, a way to at least manage it, not necessarily control it. But I think the thing it. is, is I don't let it... Uh, one of the things about anxiety is you, you get into this state, don't you, where you build... Your, once you start building yourself up, you become yeah. anxious about being anxious. Yes. You're anxious about being anxious. You're in a loop and you can't get out of the loop. So I don't... When, when I'm starting... Listen, I can get times now where I'm a seven. I think, oh, no, please don't spill over a seven because it's terrifying. Mm. But I don't let it uh, perpetuate. I don't let it eat me up. I don't let it beat me up. Mm. I, let the, I let the moment pass. And when you let the moment pass, you're kind of in control of it. Yeah. That's how I control anxiety. I let it pass rather than get het up. Mm. And, and I, I believe that so many more people now are aware of the <clears> fact that anxiety exists. It's often been labeled as being dramatic and you know you're just working yourself up for no reason and you just need to calm down but i think when you're in that moment and you're feeling that fear you only you know what that feels like but the fact that you've you know, you've managed mm. to manage that is is pretty incredible final one paulie let's go for this one. make it a good one head or heart so when you've made some of the biggest decisions in your life because mm. again you know Knowing you fairly well, you're always quite logical, accountant mm. by trade, mm. by just your psyche, which means, you know, numbers kind of mean something. Um, has it always been about the head then in terms of like big decisions? And can no. you think of one? <clears throat> I don't I don't make any decisions with a head. Right. I don't make any. I think life's too short. Is that the same for your clients? <sighs> I try. It's, it's interesting, actually, with the clients. Um I try. I just think life's too short, deeper, right? And I think if you if you did most of the things with your head, I'm not sure how much fun life would be. Do you know? Yeah. So for me, I'm like, let's do stuff. Does it make sense? Do you know? But the other thing is, is I'll kind of make a decision with a heart. I know that I've kind of got the fallback that I'm willing to do everything it takes because to make it right. So my investment decisions have been really poor. I've done some stupid stuff. You know, I've wasted so much money on investments that, that don't make any sense with a head. But life's just a journey, isn't it? Yeah. Right. And you have to have the failures to enjoy the successes. Yeah. And uh, so I'm not scared of failing. That doesn't worry me. It doesn't bother me. Um, Everything's with the heart. I think everything's got to be about soul. I can't stand people that set up businesses to make money. Mm. It doesn't interest me being part of their journey. I love being part because of people's... Because you are quite selective in terms of... I am. I love being part with. of people's journeys. Yeah, yeah. I love it. It's the best thing ever. It's the best best part of my life, really. But I'm his longest standing client, by the way, just for the record. Yeah, you're one of them. We've got a few. <laughs> yeah. um, but but on a serious note, down there. <laughs> on, a, on a serious note, I do think that um, whenever somebody comes to me, they want to make money. 
They set up a business because they want to make money. I'm just not interested in that journey. I'm interested in like people who are just passionate about what they do. And I think they'll always succeed, won't they? If they in the you end, you can feel that yeah. from them that uh, no matter how many challenges, no matter how many hurdles, they'll they'll do yeah. it. Yeah, and I always find it funny, you know, people will come to me with business plans. You know, I've never had a business plan. Mm-hmm. You know, I own travel agents, I own sportswear brands. I own probably, I don't know how many businesses now, probably another 10 businesses. Um, and I've just invested in them because I like the person or I think it'll be fun <laughs> or it'll be challenging. Do you know what I mean? I never invest in kin. I hope I can get a three times return on my investment when I put this money in. That would be a head decision, wouldn't it? Yeah. I just go, on. Oh, that feels like it'd be a pretty cool thing to do. I think yeah. I could have some fun with that. Yeah. I think it can open doors here. I think that can change something or I can do it well. I think that overall what I'd probably say, and we'll, we'll wrap this up, and I could talk to you forever. So if you want to hear more from Paul, you need to drop a comment in the box below and let us know. So we will do an extended version of this. I know you're voting already with some of my other guests. But I think overall, it boils down to being present. Mm. And that's what I've always learned from you. And even when you share your moments of anxiety, you're present in the moment. That's what's allowing you to overcome that moment. You have to Um, work at that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, But the same with all the decisions that you seem to make, your family, you know, how much time you spend with them. It's about being present. That's one thing I think that I always get from you. So thank you. Thanks for, for having me. Podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. I did. That's good. <laughs> even, even though crystals are not really your thing. but I don't mind it at all. We can, uh, we can do another one whenever you want. Amazing. All I right. that. <laughs> thank, thank you. Thank you.